These are the Beam Chronicles with your host, MJ Dooney. Book One Initiation, Chapter Five Charlie Shade. to give me and JT a break from skirmishes for a couple of days. Emotions were still pretty high, and I figured both of us could use a little time apart. He took it to Howie, even though I told him I was trying to avoid Prophet finding out about it. And Howie obliged, but followed it up with questions about our progress. I clumsily dodged. He obviously noticed. So he scheduled a big team meeting to discuss the future of Ava. Me, him, JT, Murphy, and Phil. Ava was subcategorized under equalizations, which Murphy was head of, so that's why he got to come, but I didn't really understand why Phil was involved. I figured Howie had sensed that things were a little tense, so swept him in there to keep the less invested in the voting majority. Further evidence of this intuition, he flat out asked me to keep civil during the proceedings. Naturally, these days, it was always my fault with him. This was going to be my first time in the same room as Jackson since our argument. I'd run into him briefly a few times in the days between, once in Phil's lab where he predominantly hung out, and once on my way out of the gym as he went in. Both times we ignored each other, avoided eye contact even. Guess our partnership had really dug itself into its first real riff before it had technically even started. And being somewhat renowned for the brutality of my honesty, I wasn't entirely displeased with the way things had shaken out. Admittedly, I was a little meaner to him than I probably needed to be, but of all the people at Beam to call Jackson out on his laziness, I was probably the best qualified. And that was both in terms of being firm or blunt enough that he took it to heart, and believe it or not, being nice enough to actually deliver the message before Howie found out he was intentionally slacking off. It was not entirely ideal that the results of our quarrel left us where they did, but when you've worked at Beam as long as I had, you quickly learn the difference between what's good and what's best. If Jackson received the wake-up call, I could probably deal with him thinking I was a jerk. Pretty much everyone did that. Additionally, I may have resolved my biggest issue with our early relationship. He was obviously crushing on me. Hard. He wasn't the first, far from the last, but bar none the most inconvenient because I couldn't just reject him outright the way I did with most guys. We still had to work together and shit. Tact was far from my strongest suit, so maybe being a little bitchy to him about something unrelated was the best way to nip the issue in the bud two birds style. Trouble was, I still liked him as a person. I, I wanted to be friends, or at least civil acquaintances, but reconciling without kindling his puppy love would be difficult. Which is why, in a sense, I wasn't entirely opposed to having Howie force the issue for us. I mean, it was still dealing with Howie, which always raised some opposition in me, and I wasn't sure what he could possibly do or say to make things better. Nonetheless, it was better than me apologizing, and Prophet was the boss. I had to give it a chance either way. So I gripped into his office on the second to top floor just before the meeting was set to start. Howie was sitting behind his desk with everyone else already there seated in front of it. There was a chair for me, but I opted to keep it vacant and leaned against the doorway. Good then, all present and accounted for. Howie cheerily clasped his hands together. Welcome, Charlie. I saluted sarcastically, which Howie ignored. Murphy glanced over his shoulder, briefly checking on me, but I elected not to make eye contact, pretended I didn't realize. 
Well, let's just cut to the chase then. Yes, I asked you all to come here so we could discuss Jackson's progress in joining the Equalizer teams in apprehending anomalies. It is my understanding through Phil's thorough reports that the RT department has all the prerequisite information and readings they require to release into the field for duty. Am I erroneous in that understanding, Phil? Phil shook his head and Howie nodded in satisfaction. Excellent, thank you. Unfortunately, the process has been, shall we say, briefly forestalled by a different agent's inability to file the appropriate paperwork on the matter. He shot me a judgmental glance. I rolled my eyes, about to offer some snide retort, but Murph jumped in to defend me. Howie, she doesn't have time for all that bureaucratic nonsense. It is not nonsense, Murphy. Our structure is what keeps us honest. All right, you want some honesty? We are swamped right now, Howie. Slammed. Packed. It ain't how it used to be where we'd catch one anomaly, maybe two a week. I'm sending teams of three or four where I used to send the whole department. It's a recipe for disaster. Somebody's gonna get hurt. Prophet dismissively waved off the concerns, not really intent on focusing on these things in this meeting. Uh, perhaps you should pay better attention to how you distribute your resources or, or hire some new agents. Yeah, and by the time I train them, they'll be replacing the teams they were supposed to supplement. Murphy was notoriously difficult to wave off when he was fired up, and notoriously fast to fire up. Howie, we've lost the element of surprise. They're gunning for us now. They know who we are and what we do. They don't like it. And hell, I don't blame them. Criminals, vigilantes, they all treat us the same. We're the common enemy. We found two of them fighting the other day. Big bloody mess of a fight. They got one look at our van, they saw the Beam logo, and they set aside their differences and turned it all on us. We're the primary target, Howie. We can discuss this later, Murphy. It isn't relevant to the topic of this meeting. It is when you're trying to disarm me of the biggest, best gun I've got against all of this because she won't fill out your stupid forms. The two hours a day I lose Charlie in the field to spar with Jackson is bad enough as it is. Find someone else for your administrative bullshit. Charlie's a warrior. Let her fight. Sam or Murph. Phil gently pushed him back into his seat. You're too old, big guy. You're gonna have a brain aneurysm. He was probably right, but sometimes Murph was the only guy who could tell Howie off when he was being especially arrogant and stubborn about something. At least the only guy Howie would occasionally believe. I was also pretty sure he was diverting attention away from me, which I secretly appreciated even if it was a little excessive or bad for his health. Murphy, I understand your plight, but please don't think of this as disarming you of your best gun, but more trying to expedite the process of arming you with another equally potent gun. <laughs> I snorted at the notion that Jackson was my equal, louder than I'd intended. Everyone turned to look at me except JT, who looked at his hands instead, ringing in his lap. Sorry, sneeze. I lied. Gesundheit. Howie shot me a glare to control myself and not start fights, a super conspicuous reminder that I'd promised to play nice. I smirked back, shoving the tip of a lock into my mouth to damn my unrelenting cynicism. In any case, things may go faster verbally. It's really just a matter of setting a bar for Jackson so we can ensure he's not up against the threat too steep for him to overtake. Murphy, it is my intention that by the end of this meeting, we will have assigned Jackson to his first anomaly to be faced with Charlie's assistance, of course. He assured Jackson, who nodded once but didn't stop wringing his hands. So Charlie, one month's worth of skirmishes should give you an adequate ability to judge. What would you say is his potency rating? His one now? I let the lock flop out of my mouth with as much regard as I had for this whole meeting. A potency rating. Howie repeated as if I just failed to hear the words. I don't know what that is, 
I bluntly informed him. He sighed, noticeably perturbed. It's the system we've implemented in the last few months to determine how dangerous or powerful an anomaly is. Usually evaluations assigns one in each case, and Murphy uses it to determine how much firepower to throw at it. It gives our equalizers a quick notion of what they're up against, what sort of precautions they should take, and to what extent. Huh. Nifty. I've done tons of equalizations in the last few months. How come nobody ever told me the potency ratings of the anoms I was busting? Well, it's on the evaluations report every time, you just choose not to read them, but it's not like it matters because you're a 10, Shade. Aw, thank you. I fakes wound, to which only Jackson softly snorted. Shut up. I'm talking about your potency rating. I mean, by any metric. He utterly ignored me. We've never had an individual anomaly above a 10 PR, so you haven't had to worry about being outmatched. Wait, so who gave me my potency rating? It's based on you. So like a 20 would be twice as strong as you, a 5 half, like that. You're the standard. Red, I'm kind of flattered. You guys should have told me about this. I've told you about it like 50 times, Shade. To the point, Charlie. Howie insisted. How would you rate Jackson? He finally looked up at me. It was the first time we had made eye contact since our spat, and he gave me a face that was somewhere between a smile and a wince. Like he knew what was coming was going to hurt, but he was pleading with me to try and make it as painless as I could. I bit my lip, pretending to think. Quarrel aside, I felt bad hanging him out to dry, exposing him as a fraud in front of Murphy and Phil like this. I didn't have many friends, but I figured that wasn't how you're supposed to treat them. I wasn't about to lie and overbloat his abilities, saddle him with a real-world anomaly that would kill him anyway, but the truth was, his potency rating was pretty unimpressive. It was going to be embarrassing, and I took no joy in divulging it. Honestly, these were all petty details compared to my primary concern. How would Howie react? If Jackson wasn't useful to the cause, there'd be little point investing more time and money in him. Once we'd punted on the make Jackson an equalizer front, equalizee was the next logical position for him to fill. I found some solace in the fact that he was the product of a forecast. How he would be somewhat bound by that fact, it would grant JT some protection, as it had for me a thousand times. How he couldn't abandon JT as a potential equalizer, he couldn't ask me to dispose of him even in spite of his shitty fighting because doing that would be admitting he was wrong, and how he would never admit that. It was pretty much the only thing I could count on Howie not to do, at least not this early in the process. It was probably safe. Probably. Still, I didn't like to count on Howie for anything, and he'd made more unpredictable decisions in the past. In spite of the pained grimace, I don't think Jackson truthfully understood how much was on the line with my answer to this question. After hemming and hawing about it for a while, I decided to just derail the conversation. Lighten the mood, maybe. Bring up their spirits so when I dropped the bomb, it wouldn't be as resounding of a thud. Maybe they would react better to the bad news that way. Maybe I could draw some of the attention off Jackson and toward me. I winked at him in a watch this sort of way. Well, what's Murphy? <coughs> uh, mm, uh, Murphy? How he seemed thrown, but set out to respond nonetheless. Murphy is not an anomaly. This skill wouldn't apply to him. Right, sure, but just for the sake of a second reference point, how would he rank? They all sat silently, mouths agape at the strange question, until finally Murphy piped in, curiosity having gotten the better of him. Well, what am I? Murphy is... 
Howie paused a bit, further considering the preposterousness, I guess. I couldn't believe he was actually going to answer, and from his face, it was clear he couldn't believe it either. Murphy is a one, obviously. A one? He shot out of his chair, offended, and everyone jumped but me. I am not a one. If Charlie's a ten, how am I a one? Shut up, Murph. I could totally kill ten of you. No. No. Bullshit. Take it back. I'm not a one. He rubbed his mustache and swiveled his point to me. I am not a one. I have years of experience in the field. I was an FBI agent for 30 years before this. Exactly, Murph. 30 years. You're 67, man. It's fine. You're too old to be anything more than a one. Stop calling me old. I'm not that old. Phil threw his head back and cackled. Murphy, last week you drove for 15 minutes with your blinker on and you never topped 35. Two days ago, you asked me to come to your office because, and I quote, a hacker uninstalled your email. You're old, man. I still got a bit of fight in me. I've been here two years and I have never once seen you run. There is no fight. Y you have spunk, maybe I'll give you spunk. You don't get potency rating points for spunk, Murph. I added contritely. Murphy was getting incredibly frustrated, and you could tell by the way he was repeatedly wiping his mustache. What, a, what about my leadership abilities? What about my instincts? What about my gun? I, I have a gun. Murph, you're embarrassing yourself. Anybody can get a gun. That doesn't change anything. That should be worth at least one point, right, Howie? A gun's worth at least one potency rating point, right? Uh, I am... Listen, team, I'm not entirely sure why this is... I have a gun too, Murphy! I caught off Howie before he could attempt to refocus the fun. Technically, shouldn't I be an 11 then? Isn't this whole thing based off of me and I'm an 11 now? That's weird. Why are we using a base 11 system that's not very metric? If a gun is worth one point... Phil jumped in while Murphy rubbed his mustache some more. Are two guns worth two points? Yeah, sure. One point per gun. But Charlie's gun has infinite bullets, right? Wouldn't that make her potency rating, like, infinity then? I, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't... Murphy stammered. He looked toward Howie, massaging his forehead and waiting for the unproductive dust to settle. What's Phil? What? He's an anomaly, right? What's Phil's potency rating? Oh, I don't even... One. I'm the same as Phil! By this point, even Howie cracked a subtle smile. Phil, on the opposite end of the happiness spectrum, had fallen out of his seat from laughter. Despite all of this commotion, Murphy pressed on. I am not the same as Phil. Bullshit. Phil can't even fight. I could kill Phil. I could kill three Phils. If Phil's a one, I'm a three. I have a gun. I'm at least a three. No. I cut in over Murphy's continued boisterousness and Phil's uproarious mirth. You can't be a three, Murphy. Jackson's a three. And thud. Wow. Wasn't expecting everything to go quiet quite that quickly. Again, I found the whole room staring, nonplussed, waiting for me to say something else, but at least they weren't looking at Jackson. Charlie, I had requested of you not to be cruel. Howie finally said, calmly and sternly. Uh, I'm not. More quiet stares. Look, if I'm a ten, he's a three. I could be three of him, probably four, honestly. He's, he's generously a three, maybe closer to a two. Charlie, don't. Murphy pleaded with me. Come on, man. Cut him some slack. He's new. He, he doesn't know when you're messing around. Okay, first of all, he's not that new. Second of all, I'm not joking. Three's my number. I'm not gonna change it just because all of you think he's some kind Agent of- Agent Shade. Howie busted out his firmest voice. I understand you have issues with superiority, but this is hardly the forum for you to attempt to assert your dominance over him by insisting on such a low number in company, no less. I know such a request is a steep one for you. 
but try having just a soupçon of empathy for once. Look, I gritted my teeth, measuring this next part carefully. You asked me to give him this stupid number. You asked me in this room with him and everybody else, okay? So that's on you that I have to answer in front of people. Three is my number. If you don't like it, I don't know how we send someone from Evals to get a second opinion. Charlie. Murphy tried to mediate the tension that so often developed between me and Howie. You're being callous. I opened my mouth to retort, successfully having pulled the reaction to the bad news toward myself and away from Jackson, but he stole it all back, cutting in before I had the chance. It's not callous. No, dude, it is. Trust us. Phil reached over and patted him on the leg. She gets like this. The fuck do you mean I- This time she's right. Jackson wouldn't even let me try to pick another fight. Three is generous. Surely, Jackson, you're being modest. Uh, on potential alone, you are higher than a three. I forecasted your arrival very clearly many times. Well, your forecast was wrong. Howie smiled. They are never wrong. This time they were. Dude, Jackson, come on. Uh, just from the stuff I've seen you do in the lab, man, I know a three is too low. It's amazing, powerful stuff. It doesn't translate, I guess. Look, I agree with Charlie's number, okay? I'm not good at fighting. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't even keep my hands down. I know she can be a little crass. I know firsthand, believe me. But this time, she's not. She's just being honest, and I need to start taking responsibility for my own shortcomings. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. The general mood had melted into pretty downtrodden, and did so relatively briskly. Everyone in the room had burned a lot of time and effort just into finding Jackson T, not to mention prepping him over the last two months, sculpting our perfect little equalizer. He is supposed to shift the paradigm around Bean, change the world. Hearing him admit his deficiency outright admitting he was overmatched was a blow none of them were prepared for, evidenced by Phil awkwardly watching his swinging feet, Murph frustratedly rustling his mustache, and Howie clasping his hands over his mouth, leaning on his elbows, eyes distant as he racked his brain for the next logical step. But all of this wasn't news to me, and frankly I was just relieved the information was out there without incident. On top of that, kinda proud of JT. Showing up to bat for me like that, especially when he was pissed at me, it took more guts than I ever gave him credit for. I half expected him to take nothing away from what I'd said, he kinda seemed like the pouty type, but maybe he'd just been stewing on everything, waiting for some of it to sink in. He actually was listening to me. Guess he wasn't that bad of a student after all, maybe he just needed some tough love, a bigger, firmer push than I had been giving him. But we can still get him a bust, right? I asked softly, cutting through the 20 silent seconds following Jackson's suckiness confession. After he stood up for me, I had to at least return the favor. Alright, so he's, he's a three. So what? I'm not saying we should give up on him. Not at all. Just temper a bit. Show some patience. Maybe he'll develop. I, I mean, a three. That, that's still higher than most anomalies. I think. Right? And hey, I'm a ten, so I'll be there helping him out. That's 13 between the two of us. Maybe... Shit, I don't know. You got any anomalies with a potency rating of 1 today? Just to get him kickstarted? <laughs> Murphy chuckled and shot me a cockeyed look of befuddled but pleasant surprise that I cared enough to try to make him feel better. I shrugged, rolling my eyes a little, and he nodded without pressing the issue, accepting his role as the first to swallow his disappointment in our prodigy's low starting point. Yeah, 
Charlie, that's a great idea. Get him into the swing, sure thing. There are plenty of anomalies with the potency rating one every day. We could send you guys out on one for the experience, see how things work. Who, who knows? It may turn on a light bulb for you, right? He slapped Jackson heartily on the back and smiled sincerely toward me. Your first mission was only ever intended to be a learning experience, Jackson. How we hopped on board the reassurance train. Whatever potency rating you may have currently, I assure you it will improve. My forecasts have yet to be inaccurate, my boy. It is very unlikely that this will be the first time. Phil whipped out his tablet. I just did an RT consult for evals on a guy that's perfect for this sort of thing. He's completely useless. Worse than Murphy. I'd call him a zero if the skill went that low. Let me just figure out where I put the file, and Murphy can tell me if he's already been assigned to a different team. JT turned to look at me, and nodded in appreciation. I nodded back. It was weird how good we were getting at nonverbal communication in such a short time. He was an alright person, Jackson Teak, and that wasn't the sort of thing I thought about most people. Finally, I decided to group into the chair that had been safe for me, joining the meeting properly, punching my partner affectionately in the shoulder. He rubbed it, smiled, and blushed. Here it is. Here's our guy. Uh, he goes by the clap. Wait, seriously? I snatched the tablet to confirm. No way, he picked the name The Clap. Yeah, uh, he's a little foreign, probably doesn't get the double entendre. Indian guy, that's why I remembered him. We Indian anomalies are so few and far between, gotta represent. You're not Indian, Phil. Murphy grumbled, leafing through his technologically impaired equivalent of a tablet. A notebook, the paper kind, to see if The Clap had been assigned. You were born in a test tube in Poland and you're not even human. Well, what's The Clap do anyway? It burns when you pee, green stuff comes out of your dick hole. I began facetiously listing the symptoms. Only JT laughed. Honestly, nothing. He built a device that amplifies the sound of his hands when he claps them together, and he's had a few viral videos of himself knocking over armored trucks with the blast generated by it, but yeah, like I said, RT did a consultation on the case and confirmed it's not loud enough to do any damage to anything. All his videos are obviously staged, probably just trying to drum up some paranoia and notoriety, like armored truck drivers will recognize him from the videos in Bolt or whatever, but he's literally just obnoxious. Should be easy breezy for our first mission, right? I got nobody on him yet, too. I think this is our case. Wait, sorry, I'm a bit confused. Why is this guy even an issue for us? If he can't do any harm, why waste the resources on him? I shook my head. He still hadn't quite grasped the fact that you just don't question the manifesto, even something as innocuous as this, especially not in front of Prophet himself. I remembered a time when I was that naive. My answer to him now would have been something like, talk less and do as you're told, but what it had in brevity this response lacked in satisfying his stupid curiosity. How he chipped in something with a bit more substance and purpose, or maybe just more hot air cleverly disguised as substance and purpose, Sort of how he's specialty. I'll give you three reasons to bust the clap, and you may choose whatever combination of them suits you the best. First of all, while we are a government-subsidized and authorized corporation, Beam is rather expensive to run and always in need of more funding. We do various things to secure it, sometimes selling RT's patents or peddling our energy surplus, but most frequently we accept donations and our biggest benefactors are the banks. The clap is far from innovative in his objective here. I would say financial institutions are the most popular anomaly target, and the level of security we grant them from anomalies, be they legitimate or otherwise, impacts how much we can expect to receive in donations. In short, we take threats against banks very seriously for financial reasons, 
A happy bank funds us better. Secondly, it comes down to a matter of intent. A man who fires a gun above his victim's head is no less reproachable than one whose aim is truer. Attempted murder is still wrong, regardless of accuracy. The Clap has every intention of robbing a bank. This is the purpose for which he has built his device. The fact that he is incompetent does not change the fact that he is actively trying to commit a crime. Furthermore, if we take no action and allow him to persist, surely he will come to the same conclusions about the shortcomings of his machine as we have, and will aim to improve upon it. Suppose he does, and suppose in this process he creates a truly dangerous weapon. Now, he is set up to hurt someone, an event we could have avoided altogether with a little foresight regarding his intent. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, Beam endorses a zero-tolerance policy when it comes to anomalistic activity. Allowing the clap to persevere sends a message to others that some level of being an anomaly is acceptable. We aim to discourage this notion altogether, so as to prevent any tinkering or experimenting, any attempt to push the limits of what is okay. None of it is okay. And if pursuing a fool like the clap prevents some other, perhaps more proficient individual from attempting a foray into anomalistic activity of his own, I for one see it as worth the resource expenditure. JD nodded in an understanding. Okay, yeah, all that makes sense, I guess. Just, um, we don't have to kill him, right? Howie chuckled, shaking his head. First of all, it's a stickler for nomenclature, I must insist. Equalize not kill. Secondly, no, Jackson, I, I think in this case disarming him would do just fine. The three men laughed at his doe-eyed innocence, but for the second time today I found myself disconnected from the overall mood. I didn't find it funny. They were all probably assuming it was some passing fad in JT's thinking that he'd grow out of it or ignore it eventually, basically like I did and like they did, but I wasn't so sure. For the time being, he'd have me to do the gritty work, and out of this weird, inexplicable fondness I had for him, I would. But I couldn't be there on every single mission with him for the next however many years. Eventually, Jackson Teak would probably have to kill someone. I wasn't sure how he'd deal with it when it happened. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beam Chronicles, a fiction podcast written and produced by me, MJ Dooney. If you like what you hear or you want to get updates, you can follow me on Twitter at Beam Chronicles or TikTok, same handle, at least while either of those things still exist. I am also on Instagram and YouTube, but I have very limited talents in the realm of creating visually appealing artwork, so I'm not really sure what I'm even doing there. You can also contact me through email, beamchronicles at gmail.com. All music and sound effects were sourced from the Epidemic Sound Library. Special thanks to Sergio Duarte for creating the cover art for this podcast. You can find him on Instagram. I try to update on a monthly basis, so stay tuned on the first of next month for the next edition to the story. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.